Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. So won't you go with me to the book of um, First Kings this morning? First Kings chapter eighteen. I want to go to First Kings chapter eighteen. It's going to come up on the screen. <clears throat> How many are excited about Passion Week? Yeah. Do you just, you know? I think all eleven of you are. I said, "How many are excited about Passion Week?" There ought to be something that during this time that just kind of grabs your heart and, and, and take a moment of remembrance and don't go through this week like any other week. Take a moment to reflect. Take a moment just to focus on his goodness and greatness. Amen. <clears throat> I want to go to first Kings chapter 18. Did I tell you that already? Good. And I'm going to begin reading, um, first Kings 18, um, at verse 17, verse 17. It says, then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have have in that the way that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal. And the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Verse 20. And so Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I am alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophet are 450 men. Therefore, let them give to us two bulls and let them choose one for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Verse 24. Then. You call on the name of your gods and I'll call on the name of my Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Back in verse 21, Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? I want to talk to you for a few moments on the subject or the title. It's time to make a choice. It's time to make a choice. The Bible said at the beginning of uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 that the prophet Elijah was told by God. He said, go present yourself to Ahab because I'm going to make it rain again. And I'll, I'll, just to let you know that during this time, there was an uh, actual famine going on in the land due to the lifestyles of the children of Israel and the way that they have turned their hearts from God. God had pronounced a famine. There was a shortage. There was a drought in the land, the scripture said. The Bible talks about King Ahab, that he was the eighth king, the scripture says, of Israel. And he had the responsibility to govern God's people and lead them in a way that honored God and, and, and worshiped God and rightly represented God. 
But the Bible said that Ahab had married a wicked wife by the name of Jezebel. And the Bible said that he had turned, she had turned his heart in such a way that now that he were leading the people instead of leading them toward God, he was leading them away from God. I want you to notice that what happened, check this out, in the heart of the leader flowed down to the hearts of the people. In other words, what began in the head, it started flowing down to the people when the heart of the leader was changed and it was transformed and it was beginning at one time serving God, but now began to go down a road of idol worship. It immediately began to affect the people of that time. And the Bible said that, that Elijah came to Ahab and is coming to Ahab. The Bible said when he walked up on the scene, the Ahab's response to Elijah, we said, oh, how are you doing, old troubler? of Israel. In other words, you could sense that there was some type of animosity there on King Ahab's part that he would call the prophet a troubler. The reason being is that Elijah in times past, he was not the type of prophet that told you what you wanted to hear, but he was the kind of prophet that told you what you needed to know. He didn't come with a bless me message every time, although I believe in being blessed. He didn't come with a prophecy of prosperity every time, although I believe that God wants us to prosper. But he was a man of God that was only going to say what God said. And when the words that he had to say to King Ahab, they often pierced his heart. So oftentimes he didn't want to hear what this prophet had to say. And he called him a troubler. And he said and what he was really saying was it's your fault that we're in the condition that we're in. It's you that pray that there wouldn't be any rain. If it had not been for you, Elijah, we wouldn't be in this situation that we're in. But Elijah, the prophet responded back and said, sir, I'm sorry, but you got it wrong. He said, the reason we're in the condition that we're in now is because you have chosen to turn your heart from search from serving the true and living God to begin to worship idol gods. He said, but we can get this settled and we can make this right and we can take care of all of this. And the Bible said it, he went from coming to Ahab and the next thing he did, there was a call on Mount Carmel. The Bible said that Elijah said, I tell you what you do. Why don't you get all the, the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asheroth, a total of 850. And why don't you meet me on Mount Carmel and we'll discuss this matter there. Now, in the king's mind, he had it in his mind or probably his thought that, well, maybe for once in a chance, for once, you know, this, he's going to tell us something good. Maybe he's bringing us together on this hill to actually bless us this time and not necessarily curse us. Maybe he's going to give us some good news. And so they gathered all the prophets and they met on Mount Carmel. Now, what the king wanted to hear, he wanted to hear good news again. He wanted to hear how good things were going to be. But the problem is the king wanted his situation to change, but he didn't want the lifestyle of the people to change. In other words, I want the blessing, but I don't want to have a change in heart. I want things to be turned around for me, but I don't want things to be turned around in me. In other words, change my condition, but don't change my life. And but how many of you no repentance comes before reformation repentance will have to come before revival there has to be a change in heart and most of the time in life we're begging God to change situations and change circumstance when God is saying it's not the circumstance that needs to change it's your heart that needs to change it's the change on the inside will affect the change on the outside and God is saying you know you're saying I need you know you know and sometimes what we we say Lord I I need a financial miracle. No, but God says, no, you need financial discipline. It's not that you...
Oh, you didn't want to hear that, dear. I knew, yeah, yeah, it's not, your, my, your financial situation is not, no, it's connected to an internal issue in the heart. You get it, get some discipline in the heart, then it'll change on the outside. And the Bible said that he stood up and they were waiting. You could see anticipation. Finally, we're going to hear this thing is about to turn around. And little did they know they would hear a shocking statement. The prophet stands boldly and addresses the whole crowd. And he says this statement, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? How long are you going to falter between two opinions? I'm going to read it in a few translations and it'll make sense to you. How long are you going to waver between two opinions? How long, how much longer will you try to have, the, have things both ways? Both ways. How long will you not decide between two choices? How long will you keep jumping from one side to the other? How long will you keep limping between two different opinions? How long are you going to sit on the fence? In other words, how long are you going to continue to pretend? How long are you going to continue to be fake? How long are you going to continue to put up this external image as if everything is okay? How long are you going to keep the same mentality of pretending like you're loving God and honoring God, but yet you're over here on the side living a whole different life? I know that's not a popular statement to say in church, but I'm just going to preach what I believe God laid on my heart and ask you, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? How long are you going to keep playing church games? How long are you just going to continue to go through a religious activity on Sunday? He said, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? What he was addressing was the children of Israel. The scripture said God had, had brought them into the promised land. He told them when I bring you out of Egypt, when I send you into the promised land, he said, the thing that I, I'm telling you not to do, there will be the inhabitants of that land and they will try to distract you and they will try to lead you down the wrong way. But when I send you into my promise, don't let those that are in the promised land begin to turn your heart. And that was the exact thing that happened. They went into the promised land and began to, and they began to yield themselves to the idol worship that surrounded them. In other words, they thought they could have their cake and eat it too. They thought that they could serve God here a little bit, but also serve the Baal gods a little bit over here. But the prophet came right in the middle of this situation and he asked them the question how long are you going to keep playing these games how long are you going to stay in this same condition and what God was saying I didn't bring you out of Egypt I didn't send you into a promised land so that you can begin to be tainted by the world that surrounded you I didn't send you into the promised land so that you can be consumed by the culture but actually I sent you into the promised land so you can set the culture of what I desire. The Bible says in first Peter that we have, we are a chosen generation. Listen, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation who ought to show forth the praises of him that have called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, you have to understand we as God's people have been chosen out from among them. We have been called out. 
to be representatives of the kingdom of God. And we're not to go with the flow. We ought to set the flow. Understand, we're not to be molded and, 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 and conformed to the image of this world, but we ought to stand as transformers. We ought to stand as representatives of the kingdom of God. In other words, we don't let the world... The world determine who we are, but we walk through the world knowing who we are. It's better to be in the world, but not of the world, because we're here to infect the world and impact the world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can't be a church that will falter between two opinions. We can't be a people that's going to be wishy-washy back and forth, because I'm telling you, we're here to make a difference. We're here to make take territory, as we have said. We're here to show forth the praises of the true and living God. We have to create an atmosphere, a united front, a church that has one heart that says we're after God and we're after God alone. It is that pursuit. It is that mindset. It is that atmosphere that's created for the miracles that are going to happen in this house because when the broken come in, there needs to be an atmosphere of a right heart and unity. When the lost come in, we need an atmosphere. When the downcast and the alienated come in, we need an atmosphere. When the addict and the alcoholic, the homeless and the broken comes in, we need an atmosphere that has been charged with people who have right hearts and right spirits and we will see God do great things. If you believe that, give him one shout of praise. Many like the children of Israel is what I want to call a living split lives or split living. In other words, we compartmentalize Christianity. In other words, we put it into the compartment of Sunday service. We put it into the compartment of, well, I do this on Thursday night. In other words, I do it here. This is the time frame, you know, from about 845 to about 1015. That's my compartment for Jesus. And once outside of that time frame, that's why please don't let service go over today. Please let's end up. I hope Javon is not pre. You know, that joker sweating and going, I always going to go over time. Uh, just, just, uh, help. Just, uh, uh, oh, are we still in here? Are we still come late? But you want to leave early. But anyway, but, but, but then we, we want to compartmentalize. And put God in this religious box and yet step outside of it and live life like we want to. Now I'll put my professional compartment on. I'll put my job. I'll put my business. But you have to realize that is not a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is not what we have been called to do. He has been called to be not just Savior. Help me when I need help. Get me out when I need to get out. No, the Bible says he's both Lord and Savior. He's Savior and Lord of my life. It's a package deal. How long, he said, will you falter between two opinions? James 1.8 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He's saying a lack of sincere commitment will always lead to an unstable life. There's no sincere commitment to God. I'm, I'm kind of, well, you know, it kind of feels good. Well, it depends on, well, you know what? Mm, uh, uh, you know what? I, well, it depends on who's preaching if I'm going to go to church or not. Oh, wow. Well, it feels, you know, well, it's kind of raining today. You know, I'm going to stay at home. I think I'm a live stream today. 
My question is, where's the commitment? Where's the sincere commitment? Has God been good to you? I'm not angry this morning, but I got to ask you a question. When it comes to sincere commitment to God, it's not about convenience. It's about conviction. He's so good to me. He's blessed me so much. I'm not going to let anything hinder me from getting to him. Watch this. There are many that try to serve God with a divided heart. Jesus said they honor me with their mouth and worship me with their lips. But yet their heart is far from me. External actions, but no inward transformation. On this week, Passion Week, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 21 that Jesus on this last week that he would walk on earth. He came upon, he saw it from afar, a fig tree and it said it had appeared to have fruit. But when he got closer, the scripture said it had leaves, but no fruit. It had appearance, but no substance. It had an external presentation, but no inward transformation. And the Bible said he cursed the tree and said it shall bear no more fruit. In other words, I love what it said because it said he came hungry. In other words, he was looking for fruit. He was looking for heart. He was looking for commitment. And I'm afraid that sometimes that many walk through church doors on Sunday with the look of leaves on. In other words, I look the part, but not really playing the part. I got my nice shoes on. I got my nice jeans on. I got my nice suit on. I look real good and I dress real good. And you should. You should always look good. You should always dress good. You should. I'm not saying you shouldn't. Brush your hair. Comb your hair. Gargle. Get floss. Do all that. Keep yourself fresh and all that type of stuff. But there's the look of leaves, he said. A religious presentation. But yet there's a disconnect in heart. I just want to look like I'm really following Christ. I want to look like I'm really into it all. I want to look like that my life is aligned. But inwardly, you know that things aren't right in your heart. And you may fool men, you may fool people, but we don't fool God. Man looks at the outside, but God sees the heart every time. How long? It's time to make a choice. I want to tell you this, the hearts will be revealed. First Corinthians 3, 12, 13 says this, that if anyone builds on a foundation, that's gold, silver, precious stones and wood, precious stones, hay, wood or straw. He said, know that all those works will be made clear, be, be made clear one day. And I love these words, notice this, but because it will be revealed by fire. I'm going to tell you what will really expose heart. A fiery trial. Let a real trial come. Let life really hand you stuff. I'm not talking about because you didn't get to park where you wanted to park in the parking lot. I'm not talking about because that's not a trial. That's pettiness. But but I'm not talking about somebody, you know, flipped you off going. That's not a trial. No, no. I'm talking about when life hands you something. And what happens is, notice, he said that if there's wood, there's hay and stubble. Anytime fire touch wood, hay and stubble, it's consumed. It's burn up. It doesn't last. 
But when it comes to gold, silver, and precious stones, fire doesn't consume it. Fire just purifies it. It makes it better than what it was before it ever got. But notice that wood, hay, and stubble are the things that you can see above the ground. It's the external. But gold, silver, and precious stones is what's in the ground. It's internal. In other words, what I have on the inside has to be greater than what's going on on the outside. And so when I do walk through the fire, it won't set me back. It'll just set me up. It won't pull me down. It'll lift me up. It won't make me weaker. It'll make me stronger because the life that I'm living on the inside is that which is gold, silver, and the stone, the rock, Jesus Christ sitting on the throne of my heart. Come on, give him a shout of praise. And the... I'm not talking about perfection. I get it. We're all on a journey. Don't get me wrong and don't mistake. And I'm saying that we got a perfect. The Bible is clear. There is none perfect but one. But I am talking about being real. I am talking about being authentic. I am talking about not being phony and fake. What do you mean by that? The Bible says this. It talked about a man. In the book of Luke 18. It says this concerning this man. Two men actually went into the temple to pray. And the Bible said one was a Pharisee and one was a tax collector. And the scripture said the Pharisee came in, you know, oh, I thank God that I pay my tithe. I thank God that I sing in the choir. I thank God that I have perfect attendance to church every year. I thank God that I do this and I do this and I do that. And you know what? And girl, I ain't like she is. Oh man, I'm not living like he is comparing ourselves among ourselves and, 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 and which is unwise. But, and, and, but then the Bible said, here's a guy over here just beating his drum. All the talk. But then over in the corner, there's a tax collector. And he stood there. In the same place, in the same temple, this is what gets me, in the same location, in the same service, in the same move of God. One is over here going through the motions and one over here is broken because this tax collector said, I don't have the clothes that he had. I don't dress like he does. I don't know all the religious jargon. I don't have all the degrees. I've never been to seminary. I can't quote all those scriptures. But God, what I do have is this. I want you to know I'm not where I want to be and I'm struggling, but I'm being real with you. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your guidance. Uh, Help me with this anger problem. Help me with this, this jealousy in my heart. Deal with the bitterness. I know this is not right. I don't quite know what to do with it, but I'm bringing it to you. I'm loading it. I'm downloading onto you and out of me. And I'm telling you, the Bible said, which one of these men do you think went home justified? I'm going to tell you, it was the man that was willing to be real and not religious. So even though if I do have struggles, Even though if I do have things going on in the inside, the greatest thing for you to do is just get real with God. He's not intimidated. He won't back up. He'll just draw closer to you and say, Lord, I'm dealing with stuff. I'm struggling with stuff. I'm hurting on the inside. I'm broken. I'm messed up. And all you're saying, all God is saying, yes, keep telling me. Yes, I know it. Yes, give it to me. And all you're doing is drawing the grace of God, drawing the mercy of God drawing the love of God, drawing the supernatural power of God to deliver you, to set you free and turn your life around. Let's just be real. 
We all have a choice to make. Are we going to serve God for real, real? He said, if you're going to serve me, do it wholeheartedly. Praise me with a whole heart. Seek me, he says in his word, with a whole heart. Keep my word with a whole heart. Cry out with God with a whole heart. He said that we, we need to be role models for what Jesus called the greatest commandment. To love me with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your strength. All in the Greek means all. Every part of us. No partial this and no partial that. He didn't die a partial death. He didn't halfway hang on the cross. He didn't give a little bit of his blood. He poured out everything. About, he gave his all on the cross. He shed his blood. He gave his back. He gave his out. There wasn't one aspect of Jesus that was not given for you and I. And how much more should we give him our all? How long, he said, will you falter between two? Understand the world is looking for the real. The world is longing to see trees that have fruit on it. That they can taste and see that the Lord is good. You see what happens at some point. You just have to make a choice. It's my title. You have to make a choice. And the only person that can make that choice for you is you. You got to make a choice to live for God. You have to make a choice to give him your everything. Notice what the scripture said. That, 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 that the prophet said. He said, if the Lord is God, follow him. He said, but if Baal is God, God, follow him. You know what he was saying? Whatever you do, do it with everything you got. If you're going to live in the world and you're going to serve the, the idols and you're going to serve the false God, he said, do it with everything you got. Don't pretend. He said, if you're going to come over here and serve God, serve God with everything you have. Give him your all. Give him everything. He said, but, but, but literally, he said, when you're here trying to do both, even God says, I'd rather you to be cold or hot. One or the other. Because if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I'd rather you be one or the other than to try to live in both lives and vacillate back and forth. The old times used to call it straddling the fence. Anybody ever heard that terminology before? There's four people that's from the South. But he said, how long you got to make a choice and the choice is yours. Will you choose to serve him with all of your heart? It's what Joshua stood up and declared. I want to read it right now. It says this. It says this in Joshua. I got to find it for you. I want to read it. It says this in Joshua 24, 14. Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whom uh, this land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. His mentor declared the same words. He said, I set before you, Moses, life and death, blessing or cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your children may live. These are two men that stood up for the sake of setting a standard that we're going to be all in for God. I want to talk to our men right now and I want to talk to our dads right now. We've got to get a revelation of our headship 
in Christ. We got to get a revelation of what God has called us to be in this day and time. Not culture, not TV, but I'm talking about a revelation of the spiritual authority that we carry as men like Joshua did. That at some point we got to say, I'm drawing the line for my family. I'm drawing a line for my children. I'm drawing a line, a line for generations to come. I don't care what everybody else is doing in their family. I don't care what everybody else let their kids do and where they let their kids go and all that. As for me in my house, I can't afford to be fake. I can't afford to be phony. I can't afford to go back and forth vacillating because my daughter is going to get married one day and she needs to know what a stable man looks like. She needs to know what a man of God looks like. My son is watching me and he needs to know how to be stable. He needs to know how to stand in the gap for his family. He needs to know how to pray and touch heaven when things go wrong. And that's not the pastor's responsibility. It's not the teacher's responsibility. It's not the coaches. It's a man of God that says, I'm not going to falter. I'm going to stand and make a difference. As for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I need some men to really respond and say, I'm setting a standard. I don't have time to play games. The choice is yours. You have to choose. On that last week, that trail, Passion Week, which is this week, not only did Jesus pass by a fig tree, but the Bible said this, that he sent two disciples and he said, I want you to go get this donkey that's tied up. In Mark 11, he said, I want you to go get him. He don't know you're coming. He has no idea what's about to take place. The scripture said it was tied up. No man had ever rode on it. But God, Jesus told the disciples, go loose him because I have need of him. I need him. I need him. He don't know. See, what I love about that is oftentimes we talk about how much we need him. But God said, I need him. I need him for the purpose that I have for him. And see what you don't understand that there was a destiny for that donkey. God had already set up that that donkey was about to go places. It never had gone before. It was about to do things it had never done before. It was about to go, but go from a beast of burdens, which they were called instead of carrying burdens. It was about to start carrying the presence of God. It was about to enter into a place that it would be that never thought it could uh, dream or imagine. That was the destiny for that donkey. But it all comes back to a choice because the Bible said that donkey, listen to this. And, and the King James said it was tied up where two roads met. In other words, he had two options. He had a choice to go one way and a choice to go another way. And what I love about it, it also said it was outside of a door. Doors often represent opportunity. And what it was saying was you have the opportunity to choose today. Which direction are you going to go in? Now, donkey, there's a destiny for your life. But you can stay tied up in where you've always been. You can stay tied up 
and going back and forth. You can stay tied up and faltering between two opinions, vacillating between the world and church. And notice as long as he was tied up, he was paralyzed, paralyzed from the promises of God, paralyzed from the prop, pro, the, the, um, the plan and purpose for God. God had a whole, per- but he was paralyzed because he was in a place that was tied up, but he had to make a choice. And the question is, it's your time to choose. Will you choose the path that Christ wants to take you on? Will you choose the path? And it's not may not be the path of least resistance. Oftentimes we don't we I, I believe there's there's something that gets a hold of us that tries to creep in our mind. And it's nothing but the lie of the enemy because he wants to get us to think if I choose, you know, how much is it going to cost me? If I choose, is it going to be easy? Is it going to be tough? Can I tell you, friend, I don't care what the price is to follow Jesus Christ. I don't care what you will have to give up. I don't care what you would have to let go. I don't care what you have to sacrifice. You understand. Understand that it, it's not a loss when you give up anything for Jesus. It's not what you're losing when you choose Jesus. It's not what you're letting go when you choose Jesus. It's what you're gaining. It's what you're about to grab a hold to. It's what you're about to step into. And it's a price to pay, but it's worthy of the cause. But you have to choose. Am I going to choose his way? And am I going to step into everything that he has for me? Or am I going to continue to live a life of just being tied up with uncertainty, tied up in double-mindedness because I can't figure out which way I want to go? That word loose that donkey is the same word that, that in 1 John 3, 8, it said that I came to destroy. For this cause was the Son of Man uh, manifested that he might destroy the works. That word destroy is the same word loose. Jesus said, I came to destroy or I came to loose you from everything that is trying to distract you and trying to keep you tied up and away from everything that I have you. I chose you. I chose you for a purpose and a destiny. But will you choose me? To walk into it. The choice is yours. It's time to make a choice. And I end. With this point. Because it went from a choice. To a challenge. And the Bible said. That they gathered on that mountain. And Elijah said. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a bull. And I'm going to have a bull. And this ain't going to be no bull. And he said, you slaughter it, you kill it, you put it on the wood. He said, but don't put any fire. And he said, I'm going to do the same thing. And he said, when we cry out to our God, the God that responds with fire, that's the true and living God. I'm sorry, I'm getting annoyed with this thing. Forgive me. And the Bible said that the prophets of Baal they put, the, they put the, uh, the sacrifice on the altar, but watch this. They cried out all day. And the prophet said, is he asleep? Oh, he must be on break or something. What's wrong? He hadn't came yet. He hadn't showed up yet. He had, what, what's the problem? And then the Bible said that they begin to get frustrated and begin to cry out no more and start cutting themselves. Cutting themselves. Blood gushing out. 
I don't need no God that I got hmm. <laughs> that I have to bleed for to get him to work for me. I serve a God that did all the work and bled for me. The Bible said, Elijah said, all right, you've had your chance. And he said, it's my turn. He put his bull on the altar. He put the sacrifice on the altar. It was killed. But he said, I'm going to take it a step further. Dig a trench. Bring me buckets of water. Not one, not two, but three. And the Bible said they poured all the water on the altar. And it was drenched. And I want to read what he said. I can see it. He said, and it came to pass at the time of the offering and the evening sacrifice that Elijah came near and said, Lord God of Abraham and Isaac, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I've done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, that this people may know that you are the Lord God. Here it is. And that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood and the stone, and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell and worshiped and said, that is the true and living God. I want you to notice. Notice what turned the hearts. It was an altar. And the presence of God. When there was a sacrifice. Or when something died on an altar. And the presence of God came. That's when hearts are changed. I'm going to tell you. To get a real heart transformation. It's going to take an altar. It's going to take the presence of God. It's going to take dying to some stuff and willing to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. But what I love about that altar, watch this. The prophet's altar was saturated with water. And could it be that's the problem? We got too many dry altars today. There's no, there's no altars that's been watered with tears of brokenness. We got dry altars of dry religion and nobody wants to get broken anymore. Nobody wants to get real with God anymore. Nobody wants to weep between the porch and the altar anymore and cry out for God for a real move, not just in everybody else's life. But can you start a revival in me? Can you turn my heart again? Can you make me sensitive like never before? Can you create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit will you search my heart I can't I can't vouch for everybody else but I gotta stand before you I gotta give an account of my actions will you do something in me don't let me become cold don't let me become indifferent don't let me become religious give me a heart of flesh make me a man after your own heart a woman after your own heart a heart that pleases you and honors you and glorifies you is that the cry of hearts anymore It takes an altar and it takes his presence. Like we say, fall fresh on us. 
And I'm not just talking about this altar. You got to build your personal altar. We're only here a couple times a week. You got to have an altar that you die on daily in your own personal life. Because his presence is not, not, not limited to free chapel. His presence to come where there's an altar, where there's a sacrifice, and where there's a, a altar with broken tears of saturation. And so I sat before you this day, and I asked you the question, how long? As you stand to your feet, how long? It's your choice. It's your choice. It's your choice. It's your choice. This is your moment. This is your time to say, Lord, I'm all the way in. If he's God, then serve God. If he's God, then give him everything that you have. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I know in my spirit and in my heart. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.